0: Hello and welcome to Quilt Achieviot's Market Uncut podcast, your weekly insight into the topics and trends that we've been exploring for you here at Quilt Achieviot. Remember, so you don't miss future episodes, be sure to hit the follow button on whichever streaming platform you're listening on or by following hashtag QC weekly comments on LinkedIn. I'm your host, Fraser Wilkinson, investment manager based out of our Leeds office. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by regular podcast guest, Richard Carter, Head of Fixed Interest Research, and Jamie Maddock, Global Equity, Energy and Materials Analyst. Good morning to you both. So, Richard, we seem to have survived the debt ceiling drama in the US with an eventual conclusion that the US government can keep spending more than it raises in taxes. Was this a storm in a teacup? Is it as simple as just borrowing more money every time they run out of cash? Or is this something that's going to get more and more dramatic
1: each time? No, good question. I wouldn't say it was um, necessarily a storm in a teacup because I suppose this, you know the, the consequences of them not actually uh, raising a debt ceiling would have been catastrophic. Um, but I do think markets uh, were relatively sanguine leading up to it because, as I say, we've been here so many times before, um, and despite the fact that we had kind of fairly fractious politics at the moment, they they were all you know, most of the main mainstream politicians wanted to get this deal done so um and that's what that's what happened in the end um but yes i mean as you said that you know they run a they run a fiscal deficit um as as do we in the uk and they need to keep borrowing uh, not just to sort of uh, pay the government bills but also keep um, paying their interest costs and, and paying back uh, bonds as they, as the treasuries as they uh, mature so that is going to be the case uh, for some time to come The you know the, it's fine as long as uh, the deficit isn't too bad and there's kind of a, a trajectory to um, you know perhaps lower debt or at least uh, you're not seeing that the debt massively balloon in, in the years ahead. So that is going to be the case sometime. Um, and I think it will be more of the same. And we will occasionally come up against the debt ceiling. But um, as long as the politics doesn't get uh, ridiculously um, you know, fractured, then hopefully each time this, um, this blessed debt ceiling will uh, keep being raised and uh, markets can carry on regardless. Amen to that.
0: Well, turning to the UK, interest rates just seem to be going up and up. Where does this all end? Is there any chance that they might fall back again in future?
1: Yeah, this is becoming a real problem because um, as you saw uh, last week, the Federal Reserve uh, seems to have made enough progress on inflation that they were able to to pause and just sort of take a breath and see see where things are headed before they the, before their next meeting. Um, Bank of England doesn't have that luxury i'm afraid uh, you know labor market's very tight wages growth wage uh, wages are rising pretty sharply, and inflation's still Um, pretty high you know above eight percent so it does look like we'll get another interest rate increase um, this Thursday from the Bank of England the inflation numbers in the UK are out before then so you know hopefully they won't be too bad because if they are then there might be a few people expecting a a 50 basis point uh, rate rise Um, I mean I guess stepping back um, you know we are making slower progress on in inflation than, than potentially the Americans and the, and the Europeans uh, for a number of reasons. Um, the markets still think rates could get up as high as five and three quarters in the UK, but um seems difficult to imagine. There's, there's, the impact on mortgages is becoming uh, not just extremely painful, but also a political issue. And I think um Uh, We've seen this week that uh, two-year fixed-rate mortgages are now above 6%, and I think um, the chances are that this will lead to a bit of a slowdown in the economy uh, fairly soon, and that will mean that the Bank of England doesn't have to raise rates as much as people currently expect. But uh, certainly, we're in for some painful times until we get inflation under control, I'm afraid.
0: Absolutely. Well, the flip side to higher mortgage rates is also higher interest rates available from some cash deposits. How do the investments that you look at compare? What's the return on gilts and corporate
1: bonds these days? Well, that's, yeah, that's a good one. I mean, the um, the cash rates have gone up. I mean, not, but banks don't always. Um, I think they're ready to pass on the uh, impact of mortgage rates quicker than they are on on their deposits, shall we say? Um, but um, you can get some pretty good returns, or certainly good yields, anyway. Uh, on short-term fixed income, I mean, you can get um, above five percent on sort of one to two-year uh, gilts. And, and to be honest, although you know yields could keep going up, but, you know, they're, they're so, such short-term instruments that the impact on the price of high rates is, is pretty modest. So um, you are getting some good, attractive returns. Money market funds, also um, sort of quasi-cash products, they're yielding close to five. Um, and then if you're prepared to take a bit more credit risk, you can get sort of 6.5% yields on on fairly short-term corporate bonds. So, yeah, it, is, um, it has been very difficult for fixed income last year or so, but certainly the, the forward-looking yields, which you know, should feed into future returns, uh, are starting to look pretty compelling, I have to say. Yes. Well, turning to politics,
0: we've had quite a few different prime ministers in recent times. Each one seems to have an effect on the investment markets. If we had a change of government at the next election, how would the investment markets take it? Uh, for example, are the markets keen on Keir Starmer?
1: Well, it's, it's still some way out. So we've obviously seen a you know interesting couple of weeks with with uh, Boris Johnson's uh, uh, de- demise, if you want to call it that. Whether he'll make a comeback, I don't know. But um, no, it's been it has been interesting. But I, I would say that the election, general election in the UK, is probably at least a year or so out. I mean, they don't have to call an election until January 25. You know, you would guess that they'll probably do somewhere September, October uh, 2024 would be would be my guess. Um, but we are starting to see Labour come out with a few more, you know, policies. And this is what we'd do if we were, if we were a government. So we'll be more focused on it. Um, they've been, um, you know, talking about their energy policies recently, and what they're going to be doing around uh, borrowing money to, to sort of fund the transition, um, you know, net zero and all the rest of it. I I think um, markets, as ever, will be a little bit suspicious of the Labour Party in some ways, but it's not like we've got Jeremy Corbyn in charge of them. Uh, and I think, you know, Labour will be doing their up- utmost to sort of present a kind of sensible economic plan. And it's not like, let's be quite honest, that the Conservatives have sort of had a steady hand on the economic tiller for the last few years. We've had a, a bit of a roller coaster ride. So I think um, markets will be looking at Keir Starmer uh, closely as we, you know, as we get closer to the election. But I think for now they're um, relatively relaxed about uh, the possibility of a Labour government. But still some time to go. Great.
0: Well, turning to energy, And Jamie. uh, Prices, inflation in the UK has been rising dramatically recently. And I guess the ultimate input cost is energy heating homes, powering businesses, transport, growing food, even creating fertilizer, um, harvesting, storing, packaging, and refrigeration. So all eyes are on future energy prices. So turning to our guru, Jamie, how is the market operating with the loss of Russian oil and gas from our Western markets? Uh, will that situation continue to push up prices? So
2: just dealing with oil first of all, so the, perversely, there hasn't actually been much oil lost from the market uh, as a result of these sanctions. so the prices you know, prices have fallen quite dramatically now, so we've seen oil prices fall from a little over one hundred and twenty dollars now down to mid seventy dollars per barrel, and that's primarily because there really hasn't been an awful lot of lost oil production from Russia, so we have these European sanctions in place but In effect, that they've just all they've done is redirect existing oil cargoes that were headed to Europe before via the pipeline to onto ships and to into India and uh, China. So prices have really been falling on the back of basically steady supply and and against that, you know, quite softening and continuing softening demand. Gas prices up until very recently actually have been uh, exhibiting quite similar trends. So gas prices have been similarly under pressure in Europe and the UK. Um, But actually, we saw a very, very short rallying more recent gas prices. That's primarily due to some technical outages uh, in Norway, but also speculation that a a Dutch gas field that was already scheduled to close next year could stop somewhat sooner. And as it relates to gas prices and, and how that feeds into power prices, that is a very difficult one to really talk about or With any high degree of conviction and confidence, at least through winter, because whilst we're incurring, you know, these prices are falling a lot, but they're still high enough to attract gas into Europe. And as a result of that, we're rapidly adding to storage levels of gas in Europe and the UK, that puts us in a really strong position as we enter winter. But a sharp winter cold snap can really deplete those very rapidly. And as a result of having no pipe gas or really very little pipe gas from Russia at the moment, it's still very difficult to say whether we'll see the, the, the sustained fall in power prices um, be maintained through winter because effectively we don't have sufficient storage capacity to act as a swing in the event we have a cold snap so good to see the oil prices and gas prices are falling that's obviously great for uh, removing inflation however as it relates to power uh, and longer data power prices, just too difficult to say at this point ahead of winter
0: mm, yeah difficult uh, trying to manage the bills these days um, turning to the USA, uh, we're hearing reports that it drained its strategic oil reserves during uh, recent high prices in an effort to get the price of uh, gas at the pump, as uh, Biden would say, down. Uh, is the US restocking now, and is that having an effect on uh, global prices?
2: Yeah. So this is this has been an interesting one because the strategic petroleum reserve. Biden, I think it was sometime in about March, had originally said that they would meaningfully restock to try and support longer dated oil prices, um, to try and encourage drilling, to try and encourage oil production. Now, of course, this was at a time whereby he was encouraging um, development of oil and gas, as opposed to the six months prior when he was discouraging it. But anyway, that they, they have started to restock, um, but it is a much slower rate than what it, when the rate at which they were depleted. So I'd say, yeah, I mean, it, it's helpful at the margin, but overwhelmingly the dominant forces at, the, at play at the moment are the fact that we see pretty resilient um, oil supply globally, with the exception of the action of, of OPEC most recently, and um, it helpful at the margin, I guess, for prices, but doesn't really set them at the moment.
0: Right. And in the UK and elsewhere, we seem to be having a big push to use more and more renewables. How is this affecting the overall energy market? Is it pushing prices down potentially?
2: So it's an interesting one. So renewables now make up around 40% of UK power generation. So that's about the same as fossil fuel power generation. So it's a really significant part of the mix. When I say fossil fuel, I, I pretty much mean gas now. So... When it comes to the marginal cost of production for renewable energy, it is really low um, because effectively, of course, once you've got the installed capacity base, there are very, very low ongoing uh, operating costs. The difficulty is, however, is that um, the power prices are really set by ca- coal and gas. So they tend to be the arbiter of, of the direction of, of power prices and renewable power projects can benefit from those in higher prices. But yeah, you're right. So over a long enough time horizon, the marginal cost of energy production should just continue to fall and fall. But for the time being, we just don't have the installed capacity base for renewable power generation for them, for them to fall. The other thing, which is, I guess, going against it. So, of course, there's this um, push more recently. Trying to try and increase renew- renewable power generation as a proportion of the energy mix, but the headwind it's facing is it just you know a combination of rising rates and higher material costs, you know from steel and, and obviously the labour that goes into the installation of the projects has meant that the actual power generation breakeven costs have been rising, so that has actually been squeezing. Um, the returns that these renewable power generation companies can receive. And as a result of that, we've actually seen a bit of a, a slowdown and, and more or less a turnaround in the advancement of the amount um, that the energy companies are willing to invest into these sorts of projects. So it's a bit of a pincer point, really, is that you know, ultimately the break-evens of the projects are low, and therefore that's going to be super positive for long-term energy prices falling. But for the time being, um, the prices are still bet, set by the marginal Production of power, which is which is coal and gas.
0: Wow, that seems a little bit counterintuitive, doesn't it? Um, turning to specific stocks uh, in the news, there seems to be a lot of disgust at BP and Shell making more profits during recent high prices. How have windfall taxes, price caps, and other measures changed the behaviour of these stocks and uh, outlooks for energy shares in general? So. I was, I was, You know, when you think about that, I guess
2: it's maybe as you would expect in the sense of a of a, of a market framework. So oil companies in response to these higher oil prices are, are, are I'm not going to say reversed I mean completely, but they're maybe slowed the rate of transition. So when I say rate of transition, more or less, European oil majors had all outlined strategies to reduce the amount of oil and gas they produce. Um, to, to, it's pivot investment towards renewable energy projects but perhaps intuitively really higher prices have really resulted in them slowing the rate of transition or the rate at which they allow their oil production to decline as relates to sort of the impact of windfall taxes and the price gaps and other things you mentioned it's sort of maintaining or i guess continuing to put the pressure on um, oil producers in the UK is so they just basically just cut back their focus there and, and look for investment opportunities elsewhere. And one of the issues that many of the companies talk about is uh, the valuation differential that exists between Europe and the US. And, and in part, it talks to basically the ongoing tinkering that we see from the governments. I mean, I think more or less in every um every government term through history, you can find some change to the oil and gas tax code to the worst or to the detriment really of producers and the most recent one whereby they've they've said that these are, they've outlined at the time uh, i guess the scenario whereby these windfall taxes might be removed but under no likely scenario that we're going to experience in the next um in the next well, up until the next election is it likely that those windfall taxes are going to be renewed so for the time being investment get continues to get curtailed invest in the uk anyway oil and gas majors are, are looking for opportunities elsewhere
0: well thank you both for those great insights and to all of you for listening did you enjoy our discussion on the podcast today we'd love to hear from our listeners so please review the show now wherever you're listening and share it on your socials and tag us at cool to it To make sure you don't miss a future episode, tap the subscribe button. We will be back next Tuesday. In the meantime, head over to our website www.quiltachiev.com where you can read the accompanying market overview as well as subscribe to our weekly comment newsletter. You can also stay up to date with our thoughts on market news, industry insights and our upcoming events and webinars on our website or our social media pages. And finally, do you have any questions you'd like to ask one of our experts for our next podcast? Simply ask them via the weekly comments page on our website. We would love to hear your questions. And that's it for today. So thank you, Richard and Jamie, for your time today and all of you for listening. See you next time.